Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Okay, this episode is part of a series explaining the meaning and scope of the disciplinary concepts in school history. And today, Sally and I are going to talk about historical significance. Hi, Sally. Hi. Uh, this is uh, this is the big concept, isn't it? This is the meta concept, isn't it? Significance. Oh my goodness, there's a word. I'm not sure. Could be. Um, confusingly, the word does get used, doesn't it, with other second order concepts too. Um, you, you hear people talk about most significant cause. You hear people talk about most significant consequence. Yeah. And the, the best way that I've heard that explained is that that's smaller significance. Um, so it's not uh, what's meant as historical significance in like the national curriculum sense. It's, you know, that's kind of significance within the smaller concept, within the other concepts. Yeah. So so what we're about today is historical significance. But I like the way you also um, talk about it with your kids as big S significance. I like that. And it's, <laughs> in it's sort of significance in its own right. And it's very much, isn't it, about how we put meaning on the past as society, as societies. And so what it's about is exposing the processes whereby things get adopted as stuff we give meaning to in a society from the past um, because and, and I like the way Christine Council talks about this give meaning because they signify something yeah um, yeah and I think that's also though why it's quite tricky to pin down because how we discuss and judge events or people as historically significant is is quite an abstract thing for kids um in yeah. that way it's i think we're in the same sort of park as we are with historical interpretation that sort of level of sort of quite abstract quite complex quite process based things for children yeah yeah and i and and for adults as well i think you know we looked at significance for our topic at bristol history teacher pizza group last academic year um and everybody came feeling like really positive and enthusiastic at the start of the year like we voted that we'd look at significance rather than consequence for the year so you know everybody was kind of keen um but then by the time we met in january for our second meeting everybody was a bit head scratchy and grumpy about it and oh, no, like this is a lot more difficult than we thought because it's it's one of those concepts that almost kind of shape shifts when you try to pin it down it's really difficult to kind of see it very clearly Really. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. I can see you all getting head scratchy and grumpy yeah. in Bristol. That's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I, I think possibly as a result, but also luckily, it means there is a lot of reading to be had um, if you really want to sort of make this concept and tackling this concept uh, your personal project. Um, and if you if you don't know where to begin, if you if you're an HA member and and, and why not, um, then then have a search for significance on the HA website and you will find a list of of uh, a starter twelve articles from 
from teaching history covering significance from lots of different angles that will that will get you going yeah and i what i'll do is i'll pop the link um in the description for this podcast as well so that you can find that overarching post um and of those articles the one i think i like the best is probably it's one of the oldest it's rob phillips writing way back in in 2002 um and he talks about how he structures a world war one unit around partington's criteria and i like the way that he has this kind of like big overarching question and then he has a few mini questions within that that kind of reflect each one of the criteria <laughs> okay but, but 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 hang on because i'm going to be really honest sally and i can't list you partington's criteria off the top of my head go through partington's criteria i I think this is it's the one that sticks in my head because it's the one i like best and for explaining significance in my classroom so um significance is a concept like i said that needs some really explicit pinning down um and there are a few different methods that you can use with your students to help them to pin it down but to be effective i think that certainly to begin with um when they start in year seven you need to pick one and stick with it kind of all the way through the key stages and just just to go back and reference it okay so with repetition they're going to get used to using the different categories and and i've tried a, a few different um categorizations if you like and i found that um partington's was probably the easiest to explain and they are uh, okay sorry yeah <laughs> so um, partington came up with these five criteria so number one um it's significant because it's important right to the people living at the time um is it, it's significant because it's profound or profundity which i love that word um how deeply people's lives have been affected by the event then quantity how many lives were affected durability how long people's lives have been affected. Has, is it a long term impact um, and relevance? So which I think is the trickiest one to explain to kids. So the extent to which the event has contributed to an increased understanding of like present life. OK, so when you're looking at significance of an event, then students can discuss it using these criteria when they're making their judgments. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it helps them to pin down um, exactly what historians mean um, when they're talking about significance. Well, I'm, well, I mean, like some historians. So, like I said, there are other ways that judgments about significance can be made. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I most famously probably are the, the council's five R's, aren't there, in her Josephine uh, Butler window yes. article, um, which and um, uh, Ruth Lingard and I always used to have a, um, a thing about this. We could never get to all five. We used to run each to each other's classroom going, what's the fifth? What's the fifth? <laughs> um, it must be something about remembering five things. Um, remarkable, remembered, resulting in change, resonant and revealing mm, yes the resonant is the one that always sticks in my mind for the oh, first five. Love it. that's the one I remember first um yeah and then uh, you know if you want to look at what Satius and Morton have written about this as well then they define significance as um so something that results in change something that reveals something about history or contemporary life um, something that occupies, and I think this one's really important, something that occupies a meaningful place in a narrative. So events are cast as being significant by the people that that, that write the history or that pass the stories on. Um, and finally, that significance varies over time and, um, and from group to group. Yeah, it's a lot to process, isn't it, this concept? Yeah, yeah it really is. And, I, you know, you can see why we're all so grumpy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
I really like having looked at it, thought about it really hard. I really think that the the trick is to pick one way of thinking and then stick with it um, and, you know, choose the one that, that speaks best to you, that you're you're easy, find easiest to explain. Um, and after a while, you know, the students are going to get used to making these judgments. So we use it. We, we put them on the five points of a star. Um, and once they've got those five, then they, you know, they can kind of map it onto the the shape and think about you know is it significant in, is our event significant in some ways but not others and sorry after a while they they're going to get used to making the judgments and then hopefully they're going to start to be able to come up with their own criteria for judging historical significance yeah when we were talking about his sources i mentioned working with students to create our own acronyms for source work so mm -hmm. so this is the same sort of thing isn't it the uh, the idea of the star and the and the five r's I, I did get a bit worried about the, the criteria boundness that was happening when I was using um, the five R's, though. Um, and yeah, as wonderfully happens in our community, just as I was beginning to have slightly muddled, fragmented sort of worries about it, up pops a colleague with much more coherent thinking. Um, <laughs> in this case, um, Paula Lobo wrote, she wrote a really eloquent blog post about the problem that kids getting a little bit stuck in a criteria as a checklist, a little bit mechanistic and not moving on to sort of seeing it as a, well, as a debated and contested process, because we've just listed a whole different range of lists and ways of doing it there. There isn't one list. Um, and it's really worth um, colleagues to have a look at uh, Paula's ideas on this. And she had a lovely, um, I thought, really ingenious idea, which is to make this explicit that the, that the checklists are are just that they're created they're they're not fixed um paula suggested reading the intros that historians write at the front of their usually popular history books because it's where the historian starts to justify why they've just spent some of their life writing about this particular topic and why it's really important that we read and buy their books and uh, and of course what they're doing is drawing on yeah this is why it's so historically significant and essentially Paula shows that with you know, sometimes a little bit of language tweaking but you can get kids to spot the reasons the historian thinks the topic is significant from usually sort of just page page and a half blurb that they stick on the front of their um just before their contents list in their books. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great way to start introducing kind of more historians in the classroom as well. So I think that's, you know, that's brilliant. And and once they've got used to the idea that significance like needs to be like as well, as neatly as possible pinned down before making a judgment that you need to have it clear in your own mind what what you're making your judgment about you can start to play with it a bit so and and going back to that rob phillips article he does this with his world war one study because um he comes up with his own acronym for looking at world war one which is great so groundbreaking remembered by all events that were far-reaching affected the future and terrifying and you know if i'm going to put my my dull examiner hat on here um, it's only going to help them in their extended writing at GCSE and beyond. You know, when I think about what they're supposed to do for the GCSE that I mark to, to kind of get those highest marks on their essays is to uh, uh, kind of come up criteria, with criteria that they then apply to make a judgment. So I think, you know, students, are, they're, they're pretty well versed by the time they get to GCSE in, in, in doing that with a causation essay, you know, like, like long term, short term catalyst, you know. Um, so I think we need to make a point of helping them to to come up with criteria to make similar judgments about significance as well. I think it's really important. Mm. 
And I think just before we, we move on to sort of talking about some, some pract more practicalities on this, I think it, it is really important to stress again, as with so much in history and history teaching, that what we're talking about here is contestable and is still much discussed. Um, I just There was really interesting input from Christine Council to a Twitter conversation just yesterday where she, she picked up the very topical matter of silences about the past and, and about them being the, the opposite of significance. And, and rounded off by saying, and I'll go away and do some more thinking about this. Um, but I am, you know, convinced that that all this theorising is is heading us in the right direction. Mm. Um, so, what do you do for a significant study? Let's get more practical. Well, I'm, like for the moment, we don't have a separate significance inquiry within our programme of study. Um, and instead, we, we look at significance kind of nested into our other inquiries. And what I'd say is that, you know, as with all the second order concepts, you need to have a lot of knowledge to be able to make that judgment. So um, we kind of add it to where they, they're already gaining that, gathering that knowledge. Um, so we look at most significant event in England in the Middle Ages, for example, when we're studying um, ye olde medieval realms. Um, uh, which event has been most significant in creating our democracy when we look at our, we kind of look at our development study on democracy and then um, why the Holocaust is, is such a significant event um, as part of our Holocaust study. I mean, it's not ideal. Um, it's, you know, significance is one of those things that I just keep chipping away at in my programme of study. So what I'd really like to work on for next academic year is a significant study looking specifically at an event or events from history that have been significant at a local level. So what's significant in the history of Bristol? Um, I think if, you know, if other other departments are struggling about how to fit significance in, if you if listeners are, um, what I'd suggest um, going back to, to is is the national curriculum. Like go back to that for a moment and look at the where it mentions significant in that, particularly in the world study section. So the national curriculum stipulates that departments should be teaching at least one study of a significant society or issue in world history and its interconnections with other world developments. So when you're thinking about what your world events are as on your national curriculum, that you know, there is a reason why you've chosen the event or the events that you've put in there. You must regard it as significant for some reason. Um, and I think it's worth having, you know, setting aside some time in a department meeting or even a whole department meeting where you discuss and pin down the significant of that event or those events if there are several of them um, and then you can make that really explicit when you start or finish teaching that topic to your students and you could even you know frame um, frame the whole inquiry as a significance inquiry you know why did we choose why did we choose to teach this one Mm, that really fits well with this 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 thing we will need to re-emphasize again is that historical significance like historical interpretations is about making processes or remembering the past or not remembering explicit mm. to kids and that's a lovely idea for making it explicit and yeah as you're saying Sally there will be inquiry questions potentially that are significant but you'll also want to make sure it is absolutely in the teacher talk all over the place mm -hmm. to help with that too I would really recommend um, picking up in the departmental discussions that you have um, this idea that you've got there about making um, the thinking explicit to children the department's thinking as well as sort of 
like say bigger and better historians or national <laughs> curriculum whatever but really really to help with that i'd so recommend uh, the Geraint brown and james woodcock uh, article in teaching history 134 where it's actually an article about um, local history first world war but at the end they provide a beautiful double page which is sort of a summary of several departmental discussions they had and i have used that sometimes and found it incredibly helpful way of then bouncing off and having more discussions you know so you're not sort of sitting there in a busy lunchtime going right historical significance what was that in the middle of a busy day it's a nice it's a nice way in so so definitely definitely recommend uh, colleagues get hold of that double page to to help start the discussions that you're talking about there sally yeah and i i, I think this this summer it's so timely talking about this now because i think many of us are resolved to look again um, at what we have assumed is historically significant um, and to question like the basis that we've made upon which we've made those decisions like is it is have we put it in there really because we think it's historically significant or is it maybe that we had a scheme of work and we had some resources and so we thought but you know it's it's going back and, and thinking really carefully again about what your curriculum looks like and why you've chosen the things that you have yeah yeah this is where teacher knowledge and always learning comes in doesn't mm-hmm. it and I'm I'm trying to listen really carefully to voices at the moment such as Justice to History, Virtually Teachers, Emily Foron Show, Yasmin Khan, Jason Todd, David Olishoga, groups such as Roma Traveller, Gypsy History, the Young Historians Project to to try and identify where there are stories that are very resonant for modern Britain and remembered in communities that, that, that might not have been part of the school history curriculum before and might not have been part of of my teaching before because of my own ignorance so I'm on a big um, you know don't assume that if you don't know it's not historically significant drive <laughs> yes, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. I think that's you know it's it's so important to be listening to a diverse range of voices at the moment because you know you can't necessarily know what's significant in other people's communities um, or communities that you're not you're not generally a part of. So a couple of things that I've really enjoyed listening to that I found really helpful. Um, so first of all, there was Joshua Pregary. Um, he did a, a kind of Instagram live with his cousin, and that's um, at Moments with Tonbra, um, T-O-N-B-R-A, um, on Instagram. And it was fascinating. Like he was talking about um, the history curriculum in the UK to and, and Tombra, you know, didn't wasn't educated in the UK system. So came to it as kind of pretty cold, if you like. She didn't really know anything about it. And hearing him explain what our system is like and actually her shock at the things that are not taught are not are not compulsory on our curriculum was very, very instructive to me. Um, and I thought that was a really fascinating um, hour. Um, I went back and listened to bits of it again because it was really helpful. Oh, I'm just um, going to cut in there as well because actually that's really resonated with me because we had a, you know again this year had a, a, a trainee who similar who's actually in the Italian system and um, where where he had his first education and it's just so fascinating to have yeah. somebody from the outside going so you're not teaching that yeah. <laughs> <I> go, oh <laughs> yeah so helpful so yeah. helpful. to see to see ourselves as other seers isn't it? it's that neil mcgregor thing yeah yes. oh, well neil mcgregor quoting um oh help me out shocking oh. can't remember oh, yeah. yates burns <laughs> something, something scott's terrible terrible omission <laughs> sorry i interrupted you sally and over no no, no no that was um that, i mean that's just one one thing that i've listened to that was good um the other thing like the real the real change maker for me was um a couple of years ago i read rennie edo lodge um why i'm no longer talking to white people about race and 
you know it was it was a significant watershed in my career um just it just really made me think about things in a very very different way um and about kind of listening to listening as you said for those silences trying to spot those silences you know and think about how you can fill the gaps and also what what really made made me feel in fact it made me really question my career to that day is the importance of of kind of teaching those voices sharing those stories regardless of the demographic of your students because they are part of British history they are part of our history so um and and if you have an all-white and like my old deputy head used to call it a mono-ethnic school it's even more important to share those stories then because they're not going to stumble across them any anywhere else if you're not teaching them to it in history then they're they're, they're just not going to yeah they're not going to hear it anywhere else so yeah I can yeah. that too this is where I'm not going to spare Sally's blushes because uh, when I read that the work that you did as a result of that, the, the stuff that you took to, I think it was to Teach Me Tycon's keynote, wasn't it? And then you wrote it up on your blog post. Um, just such a brilliant example, Sally, of reading something and then acting. Um, and then I shamelessly picked it up, I have to say. And you are quoted at the front of our diversity page on our York Cleo blog because oh. <laughs> we took Sally and said, right, OK, this is so important. We we must 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 be teaching um, stories that that uh, uh, are of I would argue the community because it's a human story. But you know, yeah. okay, somebody could argue are not sort of the direct community stories of this local area. It's like yeah, but if not us, then who and who? how yeah. exactly, as you say? <laughs> and we do we do need to act. And 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 the other thing I think. Um, to do this summer is to is that I'm going to do is make sure I've caught up on all the fab CPD this term where people are are talking about their actions in a very inspiring way so I've listened to, to Hannah Cusworth and, and Claire Hollis on curriculum um, and I still need to catch up on Emily following shows talk from um, Teach Me Tycons where I know she talks about um, local uh, history being a way into um, teaching black history across the country which I think sounds very exciting so I'm looking forward to listening to that. Yeah and I, I you know I was at I listened to all of the talks on on Saturday from Teach Me Icons and um, I, like they were all great so I feel bad about singling people out but I think it's also really worth listening to my friend Kate Smee's talk um, and because she's written this amazing scheme of work about Somali history because she has a, a kind of a, a big Somali population within her school and um, so but what she does in her Teach Me Icons talk is she just gave a really honest account of how she'd introduced it into her curriculum even though she knew nothing about it um, and I think it, it's it's a great blueprint for how um, how you can go about doing that if you you know if you're in a similar situation for any any type of history. Yeah yeah and to complement that Alex Fairlam's written a lovely helpful blog post this last week about how she has started to change her school's curriculum which has got a really nice list of tips on how to go about it it's on one big history department so again there's lots of support and, and fantastic help and generous sharing out there which is just brilliant. Yeah I just I think at the moment there are a lot of people out there that you know they're sharing very honestly and quite humbly about um, how they weren't really doing justice to history before um, and the, the steps that they've taken um, to kind of address that so 
um it's a good time to get some tips on that you know it's it's really i think it's really important that that we all do something even if it's even if you're feeling a, a little bit overwhelmed everybody has to start somewhere and um it's in, you know there's a lot of advice out there at the moment from people that have been in that situation and just you know very very clear about here are the steps i've taken to address it so you know so i think some people give the impression that they've got all of the answers or that you know you know they all of the answers are just out there to find um but actually if someone had all the answers then this wouldn't be a problem because we we'd all be doing what they you know it's it, there's no one clear way of doing it um i think it's just really important to kind of stay connected um and and to to listen to lots of different people on this i think that's great yeah completely and to stay connected because there have been um voices talking about this for quite a while they might not have been listened to enough they might not have been talking loudly enough what you know in, in people's views but but there is stuff that we can draw upon and we can keep growing and learning together which is just the fantastic thing about our community isn't it yeah. um and at the same time to take a holiday because next yeah. year is stacking up to be another challenging one <laughs> so i think uh, you know we're going to sign off with this one this year aren't we and and, yeah. and say you know let's recharge those batteries and, and we'll be back next year and are looking forward to more conversations drawn from the inspiration of our of our amazing history community that we are learning from all the time and being inspired by um and uh yeah so to wish everybody a very very happy summer including yes. yourself sally yeah and, and you and you definitely and i i just um are we going are we going to do reading reclamations yeah go on then the go on then so um a couple of things that i'm reading so first of all i'm reading david reynolds island stories which is not very long and it's kind of a few separate essays about britain or britain and, and britishness if you like in this kind of post-brexit world and there's a lot of history in there it's really very interesting particularly on this this kind of notion of imperialism and how how it was built in our history so i've been reading that but i've also been reading sally rooney's normal people which i cannot put down so i know that i'm a bit late to the party with this one and it's you know this kind of um it's a very it's not a history novel at all um but it's just been made into a series for the bbc and i'm insistent that i'm going to read the book um before i watch the series but and i couldn't really recommend that as kind of escapism fiction it's really good yeah i haven't decided on what my escapism fiction is going to be yet but i have uh, for several uh, two or three years ago i was bought staying power by peter fry i asked for it for christmas oh, and yeah. and and i don't think i ever quite got to the end and so one of the things i'm going to do is is definitely get because you know it's such a large book and reading time is is scarce so it's a summer project read so i'm going to go back and actually look at that again in detail with it's mean, such a classic obviously but also with the eyes of of what we've lived through in the last few months because i think you know things pay rereading so i'm going to reread the parts i read before and and, and finish the whole thing yeah that's yeah. a super yeah i've i've only ever dipped into it but i yeah i love it in fact it, i've set bits of it for year seven as kind of reading alongside their work on Brilliant. the terms it's been really good yeah okay well nice to chat as always and you you yeah. take care have a good summer, good summer. bye, bye.